Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends out there? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate, and right across from me is Charles Chuck Thompson. How's it going today, Chuck? Living the dream, my man. Living the dream on this beautiful Friday. Is it a good dream, at least? Yeah. Okay. I'm looking forward to doing some more work over the weekend. I got to drive to Louisiana right after we get done doing this. Well, you know, we all can't be number one. Yeah. So I got to go. I'm gonna although go. you're actually finishing a website this I weekend. Am. I've got that right here on this planner. It's, it's on the planner. So that means I'm going to do it. Yeah. yeah. Saturday, Sunday, website finish. Okay. By the way, what is that website for? Well, that website's for the Liberty Trading Academy. It took some trades today. How many trades did we take today? Three different trades All of today. Them. Yeah. All the trades. All green boxes. And if you're going to be in the class, you'll know what that means. Green boxes mean that you traded the strategy successfully. It and sounds that's, like they don't need to be in the class to know what it means. Yeah. You just told them. Well, they'll know more about what it means <laughs> because they'll know the strategy. Okay. It doesn't matter. You could be trading one share. Get green boxes on your spreadsheet. And as long as you line that puppy up with green boxes, your little profit and loss thing is going to be green too. That's what I found over the, the last few the years. The most important part about this is that midnight tonight, the early bird special ends. So that's we true. have been flooded with emails and there's uh i don't want to say there's only a few spots left but it's kind of what it is there's, there's been, only i gotta tell you i did not expect to get the response that i didn't realize that so many of our listeners would be interested in day trading and uh it's, it's very encouraging it's a good thing because it tells us something about the people who listen to our podcast it tells you that they are interested in taking some steps towards having a, a, a better life towards making a better life for themselves and them fa- and their families and that's good that's encouraging to know that those kind of people are the kind of people that we have attracted to listen to this podcast so uh, you know i should have known i should have known that we were going to get a bunch of responses but look i surround my i surround myself with winners yeah that's that's and that's what you need to do by the way yep and it's uh this isn't just a beginning trading course and we're just going to give you access to it and leave you high and dry no 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 this is a community, a community of winners, and you need to surround yourself with winners. And so, you know what they say: if you're the only winner in the room, then you're in a room full of losers. Yeah, <laughs> it's something yeah. like that. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't know how to say it. I'm telling you to email Nate. You can email him Nate at GoodMorningLiberty.us. That's Nate at GoodMorningLiberty.us, not .com. .us. GoodMorningLiberty.us. <laughs> And tell them in the subject line that you want to get in on the early bird for that the means, trading. That means you get a 20% discount on your month of your subscription for the class. It's going to be $47. You're going to get that discount on it. Of course, we'll do a seven-day free trial. If you get into it and you're like, holy crap, I do not want to learn this mess, uh, then you can jump out. No problem. But yeah, I've been day trading every day the, for... Technically, you get the whole first week for free. Yeah, the whole... I mean, the Literally. Whole, the class is going to be on there. So just turn your screen record on and just record every video you can so you honestly know? i don't see the any reason why everybody just wouldn't you might as well up. i mean you get the whole first week for free yeah yeah and if you hate it you just cancel and it's going to be easy to cancel it's not like we're going to hide it on you know you'll have to send us an pages. email and then we'll respond <laughs> eight days later like no, it's yeah. a button right there that says cancel <laughs> but but there's no there's actually no excuse not to sign up for it so nate at goodmorningliberty.us sign up for the liberty trading academy that starts on march 4th we're excited to get that going and uh it's going to be several weeks this is a this is a lot of information it's i don't want to overwhelm you because yeah. it's not as hard as you think it is, but it's important to pay attention to all the different information. There's several different strategies you can try. We're going to go over three well developed, researched, and proven strategies. Very, very much back testing has gone into these strategies a but lot. It really all depends on what you want to do. Yeah. And there's several different things that you can uh, consider. But yeah. this also teaches you about life. So, again, Liberty Trading Academy, send Nate. In the subject line, put early bird special. That's Nate at goodmorningliberty.us. Sign up now. Yeah, and also hit that subscribe button. I'm sorry you guys listen every day. You hear me say this all the time. So hit that skip forward 30 seconds button if you want to. But if you guys want to get a daily dose of life, liberty, and your pursuit of meaning, not happiness, of meaning, because that's more important than you want to subscribe to this podcast. We put up a new episode. Sometimes they're freaking two hours long. 
We're putting out like 15 hours of content every single week, okay? So go subscribe to this podcast. If you're on our website or if you just clicked on it in your app, hit the subscribe button, okay? There's going to be all kinds of episodes uploading every single day of the week when we want to, and you can get your daily dose of free market economics pro-capitalism, learn how to disprove the social, but not just disprove them, it's how to convert them. And I actually believe that that can be done, by the way. That's why I still, I think it's important to talk about these things, because I have a true belief that there is a percentage of the people who are just, say, Bernie Sanders followers, we pick on him because he is the... I don't, he's leading. the face. He's the face of this he's also, ideology now. He's also leading the the yeah. the Democratic uh, primary. Bernie Sanders is the new Karl Marx for for our generation, and so that's why we pick him on pick on him all the time. I actually think there's a decent percentage of those people who can be talked to in the proper way that could lead to them being converted to a more free market, very limited government ideology. I think that's a real thing. So I don't want to give up on on finding ways to give arguments to these people, to, to negotiate with them, to talk with them in a way that where we can get on the same same page, agreeing on what the problems are, and then you know, just both of you understand that neither one of you wants hundreds of millions of people to die and just talk like you're two human beings that both agree on the same problems. Well, that's what I was going to say. You have to do this by doing two things. One, the reason why we say Good Morning Liberty is all about life, liberty, and pursuit of meaning is because you have to get your own life right. Like you have to start with you. Changing the world starts with you. So you have to actually live out the principles that you say you believe in. Um, no one's going to listen to you if you if you don't actually live out your values. No one cares. You could preach all day long, but if you don't actually do it, then no one's going to listen Does to you. Does that mean you have to be perfect? No, you don't have to be perfect, but you do have to be striving towards a life of meaning. Yeah. I think what you know the difference <laughs> in that, because you could say, well, we talk all these personal responsibility, all this stuff all the time. And then if you see one of us slip up and do something that doesn't fall into that, well, I'm not 100% perfect all the time still homo sapiens i'm just a human being i'm gonna mess up sometimes but what does matter is when you do mess up when you do get yourself into a bad situation because you made a bad decision that you take responsibility for it and not just find a bunch of other people to blame that's the part of it it's not that you're going to do this and then you're going to be a perfect human being and everything's going to be great but what what is important is that when you mess up you find out where the blame needs to be placed. And I'd say about 98% of the time, it's it's on you. You could have made it's your a fault. better decision. You could have done something. Right. Sure, you were presented with something that was just absolutely terrible, but was there some type of option that you could have picked to get around it? Could you have worked harder? Could you have dealt with less for a little while? Could you have done that? There is an option for you to get around that hard time and all you have to do, you know, life is just going to present you options all the time. And either you're going to take them or you're not going to take them. And then you're going to blame other people when you had some options in front of you. So that's number one. No matter what, you pursue a life of meaning and you start doing that by adopting personal responsibility. To me, it's it's the that's the embodiment of the liberty movement is personal responsibility. So. Pursue a life of meaning by adopting personal responsibility and getting your own life in order. And you know how to do that. You can look at your life and say, okay, where, where can I be a little bit better today than I was yesterday? Jason Stapleton calls it the 1% rule. Jordan Peterson calls it cleaning your room. The, uh, veteran, the, the Navy SEALs guy says, start by making your bed. It's these little simple things that you can improve in every single day of your life. So adopting that personal responsibility. The second thing is, is when you talk to people who disagree with you, you have to meet them where they are. So it takes two things, adopting a life of personal responsibility and then meeting the people that disagree with you where they are. You can agree with them on the issues. Bernie Sanders is is right about almost all of the problems that we face. The problem is his solutions are really bad solutions and not yeah. just a little bit bad. They're murderous, <laughs> like prison camp solutions. They're literally and that's murderous. exactly what we're going to go over today. Um, Nate found this really interesting article that goes over a, a movie called Parasite a uh, very interesting story between North and South Korea and uh, a rich family and a poor family. And then 
it it basically embodies the mindset of of the tyrannical left and where that ideology can lead to yeah. where it has led to in the past and then where it can lead to if we allow it to manifest itself in the United States of America or any western country that's actually free today well this so this you movie have to, you have to position yourself in a way to win converts by meeting them where they're at and dispelling the myths while providing a better solution absolutely that's that's the whole goal i like it that's the whole goal of everything (laughs) well this so this movie is let me add to that if that's not a meaningful life i don't know what is i don't know what it is i don't know what is if that's not the meaningful life that you're seeking then i don't know what is okay that's it now go can i tell people what the movie is yes okay sorry (laughs) i just get so amped sometimes oh amped today yes okay no so we've got obviously this massive we've got a difference in ideologies now when you look at people who are socialist communists whatever it is they hate the rich they think that anyone who is poor has been held down they think anyone who makes profit has been stolen from or has been stealing from other people and anyone who's working for the man is being stolen from on a daily basis they hate money they hate our system they hate the way that we live about in this world with one another and they they want this this star trek reality where where you don't use any money and also everything's amazing and unfortunately that's that's just a movie by the way so far but the thing is there's a difference of ideologies and this movie is actually a representation of the ideology because in the movie you've basically got the story of a rich family and you got the story of a poor family and you've got the poor family working for the rich family and this movie is really it's a dramatic you know the storyline overall of course it's like any other movie they're going to tell some kind of cool storyline that's going to keep you hooked but at the basis of it it's really it's inequality that's that's really the basis of it it's our system it's the it's the system that we all live in and so what was really interesting, and by the way, you see this in all kinds of movies all the time. By the way, most movies throughout your life, the villain was some evil rich guy. Just so you know, look back through them. The villain, most of the time, evil rich guy. Except for the Iron, except for Iron Man. I bet you there was an evil, even evil or richer guy somewhere. I except for in a Stark. couple of them. Tony yeah. Stark is the richest. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I like some of the, you know, my favorite uh, superhero was uh, Batman growing up. And uh, I now I've come to find out it's just because, you know, it was a, a just a rich billionaire that was out there fighting crime, being a vigilante. And I was like, man, he was actually living out I, his values. And he didn't have superpowers or anything. He had money. <laughs> That's what he had. He had money, which gave him the freedom. You know, listen, it's, I know it's a movie. I know it's a movie. But the, I think that's why he was my favorite. So talking about North Korea and South Korea here, this story is based out of south korea that's the story of the movie this movie called parasite which did win an oscar i think the director won an oscar i can't remember if the movie won it um i think it's the director so regardless of that this uh, movie it won best picture did it win best picture yeah, okay yeah. i literally did not watch the oscars and i did not look back to see who won anything and actually that, it sorry it won four oscars that is obvious and, which is in the article here it won four oscars okay well i did not follow the there's no way i could ever watch the oscars anymore maybe like 15 years ago i could watch it but you got to look at what it means when a movie like this is winning a bunch of oscars and what are they what are they trying to say and this is really interesting. A pro-North Korea daily, which is like a North Korea news, basically. Uh, they've, they're praising the Academy Awards for giving the best picture to Parasite. Now think about what that means. Just on its head right there. Think about all the stuff I just said that this movie was about. This movie was about inequality. This movie was about this rich person and, and how he couldn't exist without the poor person and then... I'm not going to give any spoilers or anything, but yeah, we'll do a spoiler alert on this one because there will be some spoilers in this. So think about what that movie was about and then realize the fact that there is a pro North Korea propaganda news site that is praising the Academy Awards for giving that best picture. And by pro North Korea, we mean state run. Yes. It's North Korean news. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Run by those who belong to kim jong un or i, Il or I saw this on and by the way the it's really interesting the the hero per, per se the poor person the one that rises up and kills the rich person 
in this movie. I said spoiler alert. The one that rises up, their family is the Kims. That's their that's their family name. So anyway, not not that that matters. I'm sure that doesn't matter that they chose Kim to be that person. No, it couldn't. No, it doesn't matter. So it says a pro North Korea Daily praised Academy Awards Best Picture winning South Korea movie Parasite on Friday, calling it a masterpiece that starkly exposed the reality of the rich poor gap in South Korea. That's what we need is is North Korean news about how finally they're showing the reality of the gap between the rich and poor. So anyway, Parasite became the first foreign language film to win Best Picture in the 92-year history of the Academy Awards on February 9th. It won a total of four Oscars, including Best Director and Original Screenplay for Director Bong Joon-ho and Best International Feature Film. A masterpiece that has artfully and sharply cut through the reality of a handful of loan sharks living well while ruling over an overwhelming majority who they consider as dogs or pigs, has been... (laughs) Okay, number one in the U.S., um, let's see, Japan-based, they call it a Caucasian-centric film industry. So that's this is the marvel that it is that this was able to make it that far. The film is a tale of two South Korean families, the wealthy Parks and the poor Kims. That mirrors the deepening disparities in Asia's fourth-largest economy and has struck a chord with global audiences. In June 2019, less than a month after Parasite began showing in South Korea, North Korean propaganda website DPRK Today had said that the movie was making people realize again that the capitalist system is a rotten, sick society with a malignant tumor of rich becoming richer and poor becoming poorer, a society with no hope or future. Now, we should be able to stop the podcast right now and not make a single point for the rest of the episode, purely given the fact that a North Korean propaganda website just showed what their ideology was towards capitalism and the praise for the idea of this movie. And when you see that it completely fits within the ideology so much so that the North Korean government would allow for all of these words to be said and printed about this movie, what does that tell you about the ideology overall? You know, the last time I checked, North Korea, there aren't a bunch of people trying to get in there. Not a lot. No. No. They're not trying to get into a society with hope and future in in North Korea. If anybody knows anything about anything, if you don't know, actually, if you don't know anything, you should at least know this. North Korea is not a place you want to be. That's not a society or a culture that one that anyone with any sense would consider there's hope or a future. Yeah. Unless you're in the upper echelons of the of the dictatorship. Exactly. That's the only way that you because we've got (laughs) later on here, we've got. Nine mind-blowing facts about North Korea's economy and what Kim Jong-un... It's not good. It's No, it's not good. Yeah. And so, it, you're right. We actually don't even have to do anything else. So, anyway, have a good day. Uh, <laughs> really appreciate no, you guys seriously, joining like, That should just tell you. Like, Think about the people who espouse this ideology of this, this rich getting richer, poor getting poor, the evil capitalist system. When North Korea completely agree... Like, you could have taken that quote... And you could have put dash Bernie Sanders, and I would have completely believed that that's where it came from. He could probably post it right now. He probably liked their post more than likely. Has it saved? Probably printed it out and put it on his wall. When that's the case, that should tell you everything that you need to know about it right there. Okay. I want to go into something I read on Vox after this. This article was suggested after I clicked on this article. Well, I want to. I want to pick this apart, though, real quick, because the sick society with malignant tumor of the rich becoming richer and poor becoming poorer. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but in capitalist systems, which is Western societies where we're largely free, um, the rich do become richer. Yes. But the level that you can move from from poor to middle class to rich class is wide open. Yeah. There, there are something around in the United States, 2,500 new millionaires every single day, every day. Yeah. New millionaires, by the way, they didn't come from money. They're new millionaires, 2,500 of them every single day in the United States. And we've given you guys statistics that show, uh, you know, the average fortune 500 company only lasts about 30 years and the generational wealth only lasts about three generations. 
and people are moving in and out of the top 1% all the time. And so it's not a malignant capitalist societies aren't malignant tumors of the rich becoming richer and poor becoming poor because one, the poor aren't becoming poor. They're becoming rich. Even if they are still poor, their, their level, their standard of living is way richer than even, I would even say some of the richest people in other countries right now. Yeah. The standard of living in, in capitalist societies is at a level so high that you are richer than Rockefeller ever was. If you live in the United States, you are richer than J.D. Rockefeller ever was his whole entire now, now life. That's, now, that's true right there. It Let is. me tell you what. And the, the thing is, the saying should be, if you wanted to type it fairly and without any type of bias, you would say, where the rich get richer and the poor get richer. Right. That's, that's what you would say. Yes. But that that doesn't work. Is the thing that we don't we really don't pay attention to. You know, uh, uh, Thomas Sowell said a really funny thing one time. He said uh, he was he was once he was told a story. He said a uh, uh, a man is hit every twenty minutes by a car in New York City, and his response was, "Well, he must get awful tired of that." And so the idea was that they were talking about the same person. That's that's the idea. Was he talking about the same person? Well, no. It was a lot of different people. And that's something called economic mobility. That's something that people don't pay attention to. Because, yes, while there might be a lot of people in, say, the poor class, the bottom 20% or whatever you want to call it, they are likely to move out of that class. Okay? That's, that's pretty important. I believe that, what are the numbers? It's close to around 50% actually will leave the class and move into the upper. And a pretty high percentage actually make it up into the top class also in the top 20%. But that's something that people don't pay attention to. They just measure the bottom bracket. And they say, well, how many people are in this bottom bracket? What's the average? They don't pay attention to actual flesh and blood individuals. And yes, they are in this bottom bracket. But how likely are they to be able to get out of the bottom bracket? They don't watch that. Because when that person leaves that bracket, there's probably a new person in there too. So to them, when they're talking about it, they're saying, well, this bracket's just saying the same. It's not moving. Their income's not coming up. But what's actually important is that people are able to move out of that bracket. And sure, new people come in. You get out of high school, you're in the bottom bracket, probably. You're in college, you're in the bottom bracket. Okay, you get, you get old to the point where you're only living on Social Security and you don't have any income. You're, you're back into the bottom bracket, probably. But you want to pay attention to how many people are moving out of it. Just like they keep saying, well, the middle class is shrinking. Why is the middle class shrinking? The middle class is shrinking because a ton of people are moving into the upper class. That's right. There's more people moving into the, the middle. The middle class and the lower and the class, class are shrinking, both of them. Yeah. And the upper class is growing faster than it's ever been growing. Why isn't this important? Okay. What a, you know, what... What am I missing here? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Not only that, but even the poor around the world. I mean, we're alleviating abject poverty at a rate that no one thought was humanly possible ever. That's the thing. You would look at this. You would look at these talking points and you would think that the, the numbers were just shooting, just rocketing up the amount of people that were starving, the amount of people that were poor, or homeless and all that. No, well, if we you well, listen we, to them. No, we pay attention to Jeff Bezos making five billion in 15 minutes. Yeah, that's it. That's all we got to pay, pay attention, attention to. to. No, well, you know what we don't pay attention to, Charlie? Is <laughs> how much he loses. How much he loses. Now that's in important. a matter of days and minutes. I decided because I'm so sick of hearing people talk about how much money Jeff Bezos makes an hour. And what they'll do is they'll find a day where Amazon stock shot up a whole bunch. And then they'll say, well, this is how much he makes an hour. Look at that. This is how much he makes in one day. And they'll say that. You know, don't worry about the fact that the stock crashed another day don't tell me how much money he loses in a day ever if you're going to be fair then you also need to post articles about how much he loses in a day like right now if you wanted to you could look at over the week so far jeff bezos has lost 4.6 billion dollars he's lost 4.6 billion dollars who else lost 4.6 billion dollars this year except for the american taxpayers uh, all grouped together who else lost $4.6 billion this week? Who else? No one. 
No one. In fact, I think Bill Gates might be the richest man in the world now. He might. It could be <laughs> after this divorce and this. No, well, I mean, Gates has got a bunch of money in the market too, and the market's down a lot. So I'm sure his is coming down at the same rate right now. But anyway, what I'm saying is they don't pay attention to that direction. How much has he lost an hour? He's lost forty-seven million dollars an hour over the last couple of days. Who else is losing forty-seven million dollars an hour? And of course, the point is, he's not losing $47 an hour. Those are stocks. He hasn't sold them. Therefore, he hasn't lost the money. He's obviously up overall. These are just talking points they use to push North Korean propaganda on you. (laughs) It's literally, that's what it is. Okay. Uh, So I wanted to go over this article I saw on Vox, and then we'll run over some statistics about North Korea, some facts about it that are just insane. It's just Man, you know it's bad, but when, when you hear these things listed off, it's just, it's really tough to believe. So they were doing this interview back and forth, and it was, uh, there was a transcription for it on Vox, and I was going to read you what a couple people said about this movie, uh, what their takes on the movie were, and the very end is very, very important, because it comes back to this question from yesterday's episode, take the 193 episode challenge, and then come back. It comes back to a question from yesterday's episode where Bernie said that, you know, basically everyone's saying, well, it's not Bernie's fault that some of his people are radicals or crazy or mean or bad people or anything like that. Well, it kind of could be if he's feeding them manipulated statistics all the time, making them think the world's a lot worse and telling them that rich people are literally murderers. Well, eventually, when you keep telling people that rich people are causing people to die out of their greed... You're going to develop a lot of hate. You know what you're going to do? You're going to load up an AR and you're going to go try to kill a baseball field full of Republicans is what you're going to try to do. That's what you're going to try to do when someone tells you that. So let's read through what they had to say about this. She says, similarly, similarly, that's the, that's, that's the word technically. That's the technical term. That's the technical term for, for similarly. The poor and even the poor are not righteous heroes and the movie also is at pains to make it clear that they are even have that they even have some happiness. The Kim family enjoys time together, even under terrible circumstances. And when yet another, even poorer family is revealed, the movie pointed pointedly makes it extremely clear to us that that family has and enjoys sex. They had to talk about that. I mean, that's it's important. <laughs> yeah. So they came to the conclusion that the movie is actually about an economic and social system that turns everyone into parasites, everyone into parasites because it itself is parasitic. Our economic system is parasitic. Attaching itself to people's humanity and turning them into pawns in a game of its own devising. So that's what our economic system is. It's a parasite. The, mo- the movie is just a metaphor for our entire system. It says, I do think the film is a critique of how inequality is ingrained into our social and financial lives. And for the two families, I'm just going to say rich or poor. While the rich are actually good people, I think there's a skewering there of how parasitic or dependent the rich are on the lives of their domestic workers. They can't drive anywhere, cook for themselves, or take proper care of their children and instead outsource these things to the poor, never once thinking that they might be taken advantage of or manipulated like they were in the movie. The rich aren't any smarter, savvier, or harder working than the poor, which makes it feel like the only difference between living life in choking poverty and abundant wealth is how your cards were dealt, who your parents are and who your grandparents were. When the poor, when the poor person in the movie kills the rich guy in the movie, it's not because he's a bad person. It's because he realizes that no matter what he does or what his family does, they can't escape the system. So that's the lesson to learn that's the lesson that this movie tells that's the lesson that north korea is praising finally it got four oscars thank god this movie got four oscars it tells the story of a rich guy poor guy inequality and the ending of the movie ends up being that the poor person needs to rise up and kill the kill the rich person because no matter what the poor person does no matter what his family does there's no way they'll ever be able to escape the system so what does that mean, Charlie? What does that mean, you think? Just, they're just trapped. They're trapped. Can't go nowhere. <laughs> and that's the ideology, right? That's, that's what people think. That's how a lot of people you encounter on social media, that's how they think about this entire system. 
any of the that's why AOC gets up there and rails about the the thing about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps you know they don't think it's possible it's not possible in the system it's the system that we're in that's the problem we need something more like North Korea apparently something of complete equality by the way everyone there is equally poor and destitute and living under a tyrannical government who, by the way, you'll learn here in a second that Kim Jong-il spent $800,000 per year just on Hennessy. $800,000 per year, while his subjects, who are equal, no inequality there, his subjects, who are equal, lived on anywhere between $1,000 to $2,000 per year. Yet he was spending $800,000 per year just on Hennessy. Yeah, about uh, maybe 1,000 people. What's that? About I would say about 1,000 people that are in the... The Kim, the Kim Jong-un or ill, whatever. Oh, it is. you mean the people in the, the top level people? Yeah, there's probably yeah. about a thousand people. They're equally rich. Yeah. They get to enjoy all the spoils. They get to use the internet, which we'll find out here in a minute. The rest of the country, <clears throat> all equally poor. <laughs> yeah. That's equality right and that, there. And that's equality. You got two levels of equality. Yeah. Either you're part of the elite, and so you're equal up there because you got to make all the decisions for everybody. Of course. And everybody else. They're all equally poor. You got to be free because you're the one who's making all the decisions for everyone. I mean, right. how are you going to make all the proper decisions if you're having to live under the consequences of your decisions? You how, know? Yeah. And then how are you going to go to Pornhub? <laughs> they got to have the internet and yeah. drink your Hennessy. Yeah. If you're not, if you don't have access to the internet, like the rest of your of course. subjects. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, uh, the company that makes the <laughs> Hennessy said that um, Kim Jong-il was their uh, largest buyer. Jesus. Of Hennessy. While his while seventy percent of the people in North Korea are undernourished, just so everyone knows, so that's that's pretty important. That's pretty important to know. Once again, Mister Hardcore Leftist, what does it tell you that the pro North Korea propaganda website absolutely agrees with you on how amazing the ideology behind this movie is? What does that tell you? What does that tell you? Right there. Okay. Now that the biggest problem that I hear is that the only answer at the end of this movie was to rise up and kill the poor person, or the rich person, sorry. And the, the, the person on Vox, uh, you know, completely understood this idea. Of course, yeah, that he, was the only answer. He wasn't a bad person. Not a bad person. No, he was fighting the system. Yeah, exactly. He did what he had to do. And they were saying that, that actually it wasn't that the rich person was even a bad person. It's just that's what had to be done because he was only, always going to have to live in that system. So it's just yeah, rich people don't donate ten billion dollars to solve climate change. <laughs> they don't do those types of things. Charlie, all that does is deprive the taxpayers of their due <laughs> of their due money. That's yeah, all it does. Yeah, yeah. Rich so, people don't try to build nuclear reactors or or try to cure eradicate, polio. <laughs> eradicate polio and malaria. Rich people no. don't try to do those things. I don't know why. You know, they don't uh, donate to charities or anything like that. If only the government would have had the $40 billion that Bill Gates set forward. Well, we would have cured polio in those countries by yeah. now, of yeah. course. No, don't pay attention to the fact that we spend that much every three and a half days. No, that's just half of Bill Gates's fortune that he's been able to space out over the last 20 years and save countless lives or we and, could have sent it we could have sent that 40 billion to israel's budget yeah something you know, like we that could have done some more foreign aid with we, it we could have used other it rich to, countries we could have used it to hold over other countries heads and re return for them doing what we want them to do yeah. like there's <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff that we could have done can't believe that we didn't just take that i know i know so that's just and then bernie sanders gets up there and you know his supporters get up there and they all say well this isn't no this isn't Bernie's fault that people feel this way. This isn't Bernie's fault that so many people are filled with so much hate. I I honestly do believe this is why I'm so disgusted with him. This is this is why we spend time on a website called BernieLies.com, filling that up with content all the time. Because I do honestly believe that he he is partially responsible for this. Now everyone needs to learn how to be skeptical and research everything for themselves. Okay. So I'm not putting full responsibility on him. But when you're presenting this message in the way that he does, with the perfectly manipulated statistics that sound like everything you want to hear, so nothing is your fault, when you're hearing that from the time that you just got on TikTok, you know, just a little kid, you know, don't even know a word yet, and you're hearing this from the guy like Bernie Sanders and the way that he says it, your entire life... And your entire worldview can be shaped by that. 
And I do, I do take that. I, I do hold that personally against him. That is where my angst for him goes, because I honestly believe that he is ruining the lives of millions of people. That is, that is really what I believe about him. So I want to go through some of the crazy stuff from North Korea. Do you want to tell me about some of it, Chuck? North Korea is one of the most secretive nations in the world. The country of 25 million people has been ruled by the Kim dynasty for more than 70 years. North Korea's economy has struggled because of its isolationist policies, yet the exact extremes of the country's hardships are unknown and it doesn't release detailed data. I wonder why. Why wouldn't they? If they was so wonderful and great, why wouldn't they tell everybody about it? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. In your life, when you're ashamed of something, what do you do? You tell the world or you hide it? I think you make it available online. <laughs> no, you yeah. don't. That's no. not the natural instinct. We do know it's a nation where the average worker takes home less than $2,000 a year. Much of the population is undernourished, and citizens can pay upwards of $12,000 to defect. Here are nine surprising facts about North Korea's economy. That's how bad they've got a payment set up for all the people that want to leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, number one, more than 40% of North Koreans are undernourished. The percentage of undernourished North Koreans increased to 43.4% in 2018 from 37.5% in 2000, according to the Global Hunger Index. The percentage of undernourished children under the age of five has decreased in that time. However, they must have got some formula. I guess so. According to the index, North Korea is not the most undernourished nation in the world. It ranks 109 out of 199. Well, they're not at the bottom. Hey. Yeah. So. Well, in that case, there must be some hope. Go. There's yeah. hope because they're yeah. not at the bottom. Yeah. But the situation has been dire since a famine in the 90s, during which up to two million people died. Not just two, just two million people. I mean, it. It wasn't the amount of people that have been <laughs> killed by Jeff Bezos. Yeah. So I don't care. Oh, man. Virtually nobody uses the Internet in North Korea. They don't even have the Internet. North Korea severely restricts Internet access for its citizens. There is one secure Internet server in the country, but not even 1% of the population finds itself on the Internet. Instead, citizens are regulated to use an estate-controlled domestic intranet called Kwangmyong. The service is free, if you can afford a computer, <laughs> but allows access to a select list of censored websites. According to the Telegraph, the only North Koreans who can use the Internet as we know it are political leaders and their families, students at elite universities, and people who work for the nation's cyber warfare units. Imagine that. <laughs> wow. Um, skip some of these uh, or skip some of the, Look at that. the commentary. There could be trillions. Uh, there could be trillions of dollars worth of minerals under underground in North Korea. North Korea is likely likely is sitting on the wealth of mineral deposits with one estimate reaching more than six trillion and another nearly 10 trillion according according to quartz the deposits could include more than 200 types of mineral including iron gold zinc copper and graphite likewise plenty of rare metals are used in smartphone production in china and south korea the estimates of the mineral value come from South Korean companies, though Quartz said that North Korea runs its mines inefficiently and that private mining is illegal in the communist country. So, so that's so this, this is an important point because a lot of people assume that if you're in a poor country, they might think that you have you know less natural resources, you have less minerals, you have less land, you have less whatever it is. You saw the same thing in Russia, some of the most fertile the most amount of fertile land that any country had and they still have people starving you still see the same thing here they've got maybe 10 trillion dollars worth of minerals but they can't get them they simply can't do it because the government's not efficient enough to do it and they've outlawed private mining well and all they need to do is they just need to they don't care if it's inefficient they just need to mine enough to make sure of the next one yeah which is kim jong-un Kim Jong Il Il spent eight hundred thousand dollars a year on Hennessy. Woo, delicious stuff. Now, he was, so he was drunk all the time. That guy must have good been lord hammered. Woo, it's hammer time. Love that Hennessy. At one point, the North Korean leader Kim Jong Il was spending upwards of eight hundred thousand dollars a year on Hennessy, according to U.S. News and World Report. The cognac, the cognac distiller, even said that for two years in the mid nineties. Kim was the largest buyer of Hennessy uh, Paradise. Is that Paradise supposed to be really Paradise? Know. Yeah, I don't know. A bottle of Hennessy can cost $630 in North Korea. That isn't much less than the average North Korean's annual income. 
which is estimated between one to two thousand dollars. Yeah, pretty crazy. There are two economies in North Korea and two prices for everything. Imagine this. Huh. In the communist nation, there is a state-run economy and an underground one. What you're saying is market black markets will open up. Yeah. Because of this, there are two prices for everything. Bill Brown, an, an adjunct professor at Georgetown University, said one state worker might get paid a fraction of another worker who is employed by a Chinese factory. A textile worker at a state-owned company in Pyongyang might make three thousand North Korean one uh, might make three thousand North Korea won a month, while another makes a hundred times as much in a Chinese affiliated factory. He described it as just a very destabilizing, inefficient system. <laughs> you can go on and on and on and on and on. All this kinds is from, of stuff. This is just unbelievable. All of the stuff that's on here. Uh, you would think that this is a country built off of hope and future. Yeah, that's and the thing. People would be flooding their gates. It costs twelve thousand dollars to defect from North Korea. Defecting from North Korea can cost a fortune. Remember, the average is between one and two thousand per year is what they is what they make. Defecting from North Korea can cost a fortune and has become increasingly difficult to leave the country since Kim Jong Un. So you're literally locked there unless you can pay the government enough to be able to leave. That's freedom right there, according to the Washington Post, which is. Uh, Owned by Jeff Bezos, so you can't trust this. A person would need to pay brokers about $12,000 to defect to South Korea. Other estimates have put the price tag as high as 16000 up sharply from about 2000 or 3000 before 2012, and it was $45 in the early 2000s. Okay? Just think about how bad your system has to be, how bad the tyranny has to be, that you're actually going to set up a system where it costs... Six times, six to eight times the average person's income to up to 10 times the average income for you to be able to leave the country. Can you imagine what that would be? Or the average income in the U.S. average median salary is something, I don't know, 40 to 50,000 is kind of median salary. So can you can you imagine if it were if you wanted to leave the United States and they said, well, you've got to pay us five hundred thousand dollars to be able to leave? I mean, how would that feel? Well, is that is that better? Is how is it? How is it that people don't talk more about North Korea? And how are more people not talking about the fact that they just love this freaking movie? I can't get over that. Well, not not only that, but this is a pure example of how if you're rich, you have freedom. Yeah. And if you're poor, you don't. Is that not inequality? Yeah, this is inequality right here. Good Lord. Here's the most important part, I think, at the bottom of this paragraph. While the most common method of defecting is crossing the river along North Korea's, more, North Korea's border with China, increased border security has made that harder and harder. Okay. So, when it, so that means that um, North Korea built a wall and China paid for it. And and their walls can also keep you in, by yeah, the way. That's true. So I'm not saying that, you know, those who support the wall, that that that's the goal of the wall. But I'm just telling you, it could be used for that one day. Yeah. Maybe one day when if America becomes a socialist, tyrannical hellhole and you and you want to you're undernourished and you're starving and you want to try to save your family. Well, that wall that you supported 50 years prior. Yeah. Got built. And there's no way for you to escape unless you can pay a million dollars to defect. That's kind of the scary part about the wall when you think about it working both ways. Like, if you're someone who's arguing that America is about to turn into a socialist hellhole, that we're going in the wrong direction, that everything looks terrible, that the economy is going to crash very poorly in the future, that you have no idea what kind of tyrannical person is going to be running the government. Why do you want your country to be surrounded by a gigantic wall? Don't you want an like, easy way out? <laughs> and you're like, well, there will let Americans leave. Okay, well, tell me who the president's going to be in 20 years. Right. Go ahead and tell me, Mr. Fortune Teller. Tell me who that is. Now, we sound like crazy alarmists right now. I don't actually think that this would happen. But it is a possibility. But on principle... You have to consider that. You have to take all of your decisions to their to their logical conclusion when you have this principle that your government is tyrannical and, and everything else that goes along with it, and you want limited government and all that. Well, I'm not sure that I can make a perfect argument for why there should be a massive barrier for me trying to lead this country if it is going to get as bad as you're telling me it's going to get. I don't like that. I don't like it. Okay. Yeah. I walls. mean, they're literally, they do taxes in states now where if you move, you take your wealth out of the state, they're going to charge you tons of money. 
the the people on the left have argued that to stop these people from taking their money outside of the country so they can pay less taxes, we have to stop them from being able to do that. We have to charge them massive taxes for transferring it out of the U.S. In Illinois, if you buy a car in another state, they'll still tax you. You still got to pay. They'll still tax you the Illinois taxes. It's not just that. Like, that's pretty common. But the other part is when you trade in that same car later on, you got to pay. You got to pay tax again as if it were some type of a gain that you just made. Like, literally. Even though most cars lose value. Almost every single one of them. You paid the tax on the purchase price. You paid that tax, and then when you trade it in, they act like you just received a new value that you hadn't already paid a tax on. And you're telling me that, okay, so we already are trying to lock people's money within borders and not allow them to leave. How much more tyrannical or how much more power does AOC need to have before you start thinking about whether or not she wouldn't want to let the rich physically let the rich people leave the country because they're all bailing out? I'm just saying we got some crazy people up there in Washington. Yeah. It's it's not looking that great right now. I think it'd be easy to fall on one of those no fly lists. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, no fly <laughs> yeah. list. Automatically. Yeah, exactly. So this th- is why it's you have to be careful about creating the structure to allow tyranny to move in. This yeah. is why we argue against the structure itself. Not people. It's not people. It's the structure. When you create things like the no fly list, when you when you have searches and seizures without warrants, when you do all these things that violate your rights, it sets up the structure for tyranny to move in. When you accept that the government owns all income and they can decide how much of it you get to keep, they're not deciding how much of it they're going to take, by the way. They're making the decision on how much of it you get to keep. Okay, so when you think about it that way, when you allow that to happen, you're setting up this massive structure that someone terrible can come in and move these arbitrary lines around. That's the problem with making arbitrary lines. Oh, sure, we'll have an income tax and we'll make it this percentage and we'll make it these incomes. All you're doing is putting the the principle in that they can take your income and then you have no idea who's going to move that line around all over the place based on what their emotions are. That's why you just can't set up that system. Now, when it comes to the capitalist system, the system that this movie is talking about and that these writers on Vox are talking about and that North Korea is talking about, it's not the way that they describe it. They described it as everyone is a parasite off of everyone. That's that's how they described it. That's a really disgusting way to look at it. And it's a completely nonsensical way to look at it. Because what's your alternative? I always want to know, like, okay, so what's the other option you're talking about? You're saying that we shouldn't. Uh, first off, you can't. Uh, tell me how this makes sense. Tell me, what am I missing here? Tell me how this makes sense. You shouldn't have to work, but also you should be able to receive whatever you want. Now, how are you going to get whatever you want if the principle over the society is that you shouldn't have to work? Are you going to work to provide things for other people? How are you going to get other people to work to provide things to you? How is that system going to work when you set it up as working to provide value to other people is somehow an evil thing? It still couldn't work. You still have to have people producing value in the system, and you're still going to have inequality, just like you do in all these other systems. You're not going to get out of the fact that to receive something, you must produce something of value for someone else. Bernie Sanders tried it. He was in the commune for like a weekend, and they kicked him out. Okay, you can get kicked out of a commune. When you're in one, you have to do something that the entire commune finds valuable, other than just complaining about things like he was. You've got to do something to provide value to other people, whether it's you can whether you have medical training or you're gonna build a house or you're gonna do you're gonna farm, you're still gonna work to provide value to those people. You don't get out of that type of system unless you go back to a system of slavery. That's the only way that you get out of that, where you can never have to do anything but still receive all the things that you want. That's actual slavery. That's the only way you can do it. So you got to consider what you, what alternative are you suggesting? Right now, you have a system where, in a free market, the only way you would receive things is if people you know, deem, deem what you're giving them as valuable. That's a good system. That means that you're that you're providing value to society. 
what's the alternative that's better than that? No one providing value to, to society? Look at all the societies that set up themselves that way. It didn't go very well. It, it didn't go well at all. You're, you're still going to have this. I hate it when people argue that, our, you know, that money itself is evil. The fact that we use money. We shouldn't have to use money. And its roots. Its the, roots are yeah, all the, evil. The root of it. So it's, I hate it when people describe it that way because money is just a representation of value. That's all it is. It's a, it's a, it's a physical representation of the value that you provided to society that other people were freely willing to give you. And by saying that you don't like money, that means that you don't think anyone should provide value to other people in society to receive the things that they want. And if you still think they should receive the things that they want without having to provide value, then you think that we should have slavery. That is, that's, that's literally it. So I, I, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't get behind that one, Bernie. I just can't do it. I can't get behind that one, Bernie and North Korea. There's yeah. just no way I can do that. Okay. That's just insane to me. It's insanity, man. Yeah. That that this isn't so clear i i know yeah like oh hey maybe we should distance ourselves from an ideology that north korea is praising right now yeah Uh. (laughs) and why is nobody talking about that well why would they yeah they wouldn't want to it doesn't fit their worldview well and then you always have the out of well i don't i don't want venezuela or north korean style socialism no no that's not not real social socialism i want Denmark <laughs> without any, without implementing any policies yeah. that Denmark has. I want the outcomes of Denmark. Yeah. I'm not going to implement a single thing that they do in their economy other than give people stuff. That's all I'm going to implement. And we're just going to give people stuff. That's, that's what we're going to do. And who's going to provide it? Uh, I don't know. Who's going to make the new factories? Who's going to create the new? Uh, uh, listen, you hate poor people. That's a, that's it. There's you a know, response. We talked yesterday. I, you know, we talked about, obviously, Bloomberg called out Sanders about being a socialist and having three houses. And he said, what am I missing? Yeah. Um, which <laughs> is funny. Be like my new, I always say this doesn't make any sense or something like I always say that after I make a statement. I think, what am I missing here? That's going to be going to be my new thing. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he's got three houses and well, he, he described one of them as a camp. And honestly, <laughs> I think that's kind of important because I think what Bernie actually wants and what his supporters have even said yeah. is that we need more camps. We need everyone needs to be in a camp. Right. Exactly. We've got to we have to they don't want to they don't want to participate in our system. We have to force them. Yeah. For the good of the people, by the way. It's for the good. This is how this is always sold to everyone. Oh I don't even know. I know, I man. I don't even know. Okay, so the, I, I was having a good day. The solution to this. <laughs> What's the solution to this, Charlie? Well, the solution is to, as as I said, two things is you have to adopt a sense of responsible personal responsibility for yourself and live out the values, and then you have to meet these people with these ideologies where they're at, and say yes, there are problems. There's there's technically problems in our current system of capitalism, but the answer is for us to be freer, yeah, not more government restrictions. And you have to sell them on that idea. And it's pretty simple. When you look at history and how these ideologies have played out, one of them lets people get go from rags to riches, and the other ones hold, holds them down and kills them. Yeah. So which one's better? Which one has a better track record? Yeah. Free or controlled? Which one has a better track record? Just ask yourself that. Yeah. It's easy to tell. And then once again, always ask yourself, do human beings own themselves? And if they own themselves, now maybe maybe you don't think they do, okay? Maybe you don't think human beings own themselves, in which case you're not going to agree with this whatsoever. Do human beings own themselves? If they own themselves, is this regulation or law that I'm proposing enacted under the ideology that human beings own themselves? And if it is not, then you are in fact saying that you think that you or a collection of other people should have ownership over whoever's in the minority, by the way, because they want direct democracy. So their idea is that the majority should have ownership over the minority and be able to control them, in which case they don't think that the minority or anyone else owns themselves whatsoever. We've been dealing with this ideology forever. It's always been the case. We're just trying to make the case that human beings own themselves. That's it. 
That's the only case we're trying to make, okay? That idea, though, took a long time oh, yeah. to spur. Like a million years. You know, I, you know I, I, I like to mention that, you know, the ideas and the ideology we talk about, it's nothing new, right? These are old ideas that have manifested themselves over long periods of time, and it took a really long time to even get there, by the way. Um, and you could say for the longest time, human beings were owned um, because... We had a, a society, a tribal society, where people picked a benevolent dictator based on uh, divinity, let's say, because yeah. people had to believe in, in, in a higher power, and they used that to control other people. Like the Kims. And, and honestly, it was what we know in history. Uh, Christianity was one of the first ideologies that actually uh, freed people from that. Now, it took a long time for that idea to take hold, but... It was the first ideology that said all people were created in the image of God. So everybody had intrinsic value. Everyone was created in the same image. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So now it took thousands of years for that idea to take hold, but that's ultimately what created the society that we have now. Yeah. That everybody, that there wasn't people who were better than other people through some divine force that we all actually had um, intrinsic value and divinity inside us all. And we were all capable and so that's where we fractionated everything down to the level of the individual and why our ideas are predicated on the sovereignty of the individual because no one else has a right. No one else has earned the right even to control the intrinsic value that you have in yourself. Well, and you can't, earn they're the not right any either. better than you are. Yeah. And it's, it's impossible to earn the right because you're equal. Yeah. You're equal. Now you're not equal in outcome. That does not, that's not what equality means. What it means is you're equal in opportunity. You're, 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 your individuality is sovereign to the point that you have the same opportunities as everyone else to live your life as abundantly and as free as you possibly can. But the, the equal opportunity does not mean that everyone is going to start from the same place either. And that's, no. a, that's a misconception. The opportunity is that you are free to make your life better. That's, that's what the equal opportunity is. That no <laughs> one's going to stop you from making your life better. It does not mean that everyone must be on the exact same plane, this, the exact same playing field's the wrong word, the exact same level at all times, because then you could say, well, equal opportunity. I mean, this guy was born with a million dollars in his daddy's bank account, and this guy was born with a negative $100,000 in his daddy's bank account. Therefore, they don't have the exact same opportunities. Therefore, the opportunities are not equal. So you can make that argument. But equal opportunity does not mean that. It means that no one's going to stand or put barriers, false arbitrary barriers in your way to stop you from moving up. Because however that person got a million dollars in their daddy's bank account or whatever it was, you've got to trace it back to when did they have nothing and how did they get to that? And as long as they made that freely, not through coercion or force in any kind of way, well, then that's a justified money, and you need to be thinking about two generations from you, and how can you make the same decisions and put your great-grandchildren in the same position that the great-grandparents of this person put, put their great-grandchildren in? They're not all going to be in the same place at the same time, is the thing. We're all on our different time frames, really. You know, there's some people that are on the same, and a lot of people are in different time frames. Maybe, uh, you know, I grew up kind of kind of poor but maybe maybe my family a couple generations down my nieces and nephews and all of them are going to grow up and my the people their children are going to grow up with a lot more money from their family it doesn't it doesn't mean that i can't move up and make a better life for my family that comes after me that's what opportunity is that's why people come here. That's why people risk their lives to come to the U.S. And that's why it starts with you. Yeah. Because if you are able to create that life for yourself and your family, and if everyone does that, then that's how we all become richer and live out the values that we actually believe in. I mean, look, at one point in time, people thought it would be impossible that everybody would be thousandaires, you know, that everybody yeah. would make at least $1,000 a year. At one point, that was thought impossible. Well, we managed that. When when ninety percent of the world had less than a dollar ninety a day, right? Yeah, exactly. It wasn't that long ago, actually. 
And now, for the most part of the United States, everyone is at least a thousandaire. Now, 88% of the world has more than $1.90 a day. Right. So so there, it's not impossible to think that one day everybody could be millionaires in the United States or whatever. There's not a finite, there's not a pie. There's not a you fixed amount. Keep, you can keep generating wealth and you can keep, and wealth that comes in all forms. It's not just money, by the way. Wealth comes in all forms, like access to antibiotics. That's wealth. Yeah. That's life-saving wealth. You've got more wealth than Rockefeller did, yes. just to bring that around. Just like Charlie said at the beginning of the episode, you've got more than he had. He he could not have purchased a cell phone or a car with a backup camera or air conditioning or antibiotics or chemotherapy or any of that. He, No matter what amount of money he had, he was never going to have enough money to purchase Ep- those things. EpiPens? EpiPens, any of it. Yeah. Insulin, Doesn't matter how much they cost, they didn't even exist. Insulin. But yeah, it just it didn't exist. There there wasn't the money to buy it because we hadn't created it yet. So you got to ask yourself, how do we keep our world, the entire world, in a system that keeps creating new things all the time? And it's not by punishing the people who create new things. Newsflash: It's not. That's not how you create more new things. That's that's the opposite way. To create new stuff. We've succeeded despite the $100 trillion that the government has taxed away from the people since they started the income tax. Okay, we've succeeded despite that. Imagine where we would be if those if that $100 trillion had been kept in the private market in the hands of people who were producing that money. I can't even. It's insane. We probably would have had the internet in the 50s. Oh, yeah. We would Easily. have had, I mean... We wouldn't even we wouldn't need roads right now. No, we just wouldn't imagine that sci-fi world that we might live in if all that money had been kept in the hands of the productive people instead of the inefficient and unproductive. It's insane to even think about. It. It's infuriating, actually. How many? How do you quantify how many people that killed? By the way, what number do you put on that? It's it's a lot. It's the answer is a lot, and uh, there's no way you'd ever be able to quantify it. But there is a number. For sure. Just like it's hard to say how many people the FDA's killed or anything like that because they didn't they didn't approve drugs that would have saved people's lives. They only pay attention to the other way, the bad things that happened. Those are easier to quantify because they happen and then you can look at them and write the number down. That's easier to put a number on. Here's an idea. Maybe we should create a data company that keeps track of all that. Of what? Uh drugs that didn't get approved and who what symptoms they were made for and then yeah people who died or any type of statistics like that. Yeah. yeah. Or, um, you know, create a database where all of the, how many jobs could have been created based on how many corporate income taxes were taken out of the system. Yeah. You know, to fund what, you know, a a million people who work for the government. $27 trillion spent on the war on poverty so far. Yeah. You look at the private market and say, what if that money would have been in the private market that whole time? How much more money would be out there? How many more things? What would that have earned over time if those people would have been able to keep that and invest it in things that were actually productive? What would the low what would the lowest living standard be then for the people who were in the bottom twenty percent? Yeah. What would the median salary be then for everyone if that money had been kept in that? This is not just as simple as it all sounds there you've got a big problem with the unseen here we gotta we gotta stop the podcast for the day because i gotta go to louisiana and charlie's gotta get back to work yeah we always talk about 30 minute episodes quick ones this This, is supposed to be a quick one friday and it wasn't this was a quick 30 minute episode for all you guys (laughs) thank you for listening hey go to our patreon if you like what you're hearing today if you want to get this message out in front of more people if you want to get the liberty message out in front of more people go to our patreon we have all kinds of Options on there, exclusive content, running Facebook ads for things that you care about. They're just simply, I don't know, there's there's so many options on there. $5, $10, $15, all kinds of stuff on there. So go look. If you care about this message, if you like this show, then go to patreon.com slash Liberty. We've only been pushing it for, I don't know, about a week and a half now two weeks or so, something like that. And we are a growing podcast, and I know that that number is going to just be shooting up, just going to be shooting up just like you're on the streets of San Francisco, man. That's what you're, that's what it's going to be doing. So was that a bad joke, you think? I don't know, maybe. I'm not yes. sure that that was in good taste, yeah. to tell you the truth. Well, if, if hopefully we get those facilities passed where you can shoot up under supervision. Absolutely. Because yeah. that's, that's another problem 
It is a problem. That is a real problem. And how do you solve it? Also, take the 193 episode challenge. Let us know if you complete that. We'll, you'll get a plaque uh, or a certificate of the mail or something. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll give you 5% off of the merch items. We've got all kinds of cool things at the shop still. That's still a place you can go. That helps support the show. And then if you want to get in, as we mentioned at the beginning, this is your last chance, the very last chance at midnight tonight. It's going to be cut off. Midnight Central, by the way. Uh, so it's going to be cut off. So make sure you get in on the Liberty Training Academy early bird. So send an email to Nate at goodmorningliberty.us. That's Nate at goodmorningliberty.us to get in on that special. Lots of emails signing up already. So we're excited to launch that on March 4th. It's going to be, I don't know, maybe it'll be a national holiday now. Free, <laughs> new Freedom Day, a yep. new Liberty Day. It's the day that many March people's lives 4th. were changed. It was. Yep. So do all that. A couple of free ways to support the show is sharing it with a friend. So if you like what you hear and you want to put your money where your mouth is, we've given you all kinds of opportunities for that. If you are still on the fence about honing in on your Liberty principles, then there are still some free options while you're thinking about actually getting in on the, on the real stuff. And that's sharing the show with a friend, telling somebody that you loved what you heard and the ideas that we espouse can be made simple. Everyone can understand them and you have new ways and new ammo to fight the tyranny that's taken over the good old U S of a, if you guys want to do that, this is how we actually make America great again. If you guys want to do all that, uh, we'll be back again sometime next week. I'll be out of town next week. I think we have a few interviews and things that we can release. And I think Nate's also going to be doing a couple shows. So y'all pay attention to that. And we'll be back on Thursday. I hope you guys have a good day and a good morning. Liberty. Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.